You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Show, episode 221. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook, and keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Our Take segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. We're going to start off with a review of the Q2 earnings of the U.S. stock market's big five, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, and Meta. All of these behemoths have reported financial results over the last week. We're going to see how they performed and what expectations are in the books for these giants over the next year. Brennan will take center stage next with a year stock, our take on Vagano Foods, Inc., V-A-G-N on the Canadian Exchange. Vagano is a plant-based food technology company that sells and delivers prepared vegan meal kits to end customers. One of our listeners came across a Facebook ad on Vagano suggesting that it has explosive potential. Brendan will put this company under the microscope and determine if there's anything tangible to back up this claim. Finally, Brett will be doing a star and dog segment. Brett's dog of the week will be Roblox, symbol RBLX on the New York Exchange. Roblox provides an online entertainment platform for audiences under the age of 18. The stock has been hammered since the release of the Q2 results. Brett's going to figure out why. The star of the week is Hammond Manufacturing, symbol HMM.A on the TSX. Hammond Manufacturing is a microcap electronics manufacturer whose stock is up 26% over the last week and 81% year to date. Brett's going to take a look at this star and figure out if these returns are sustainable into the future. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Another hello. weekly podcast without Ryan Irvine. Yes. We all must be in heaven. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. still been calling, though. Even yeah, yeah. Uh, on the all-long weekend. Today. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, it was actually even on Monday of the all-long weekend, he ends up calling me, and he's like, hey, we have a call with a company here. Ryan, it's the it's the long weekend. Either way, it wasn't a holiday in the in the states. We needed to talk yeah. to a, a, a company, get an update from them. So I took the call, begrudgingly or be, whatever that word is. <laughs> I I just um, I don't know what you were doing, even answering the phone on a. On well, a to be honest, I let two of the calls just go through to my answering machine. Yeah. It was finally the third call when he called right. me that I was yeah. like, something must be wrong, or you know. I must answer. So I ended mm-hmm. up picking mm-hmm. up and yeah, it was, yeah. it was a little funny. Well, we, I think we already spoke about the new CDR plus last yeah. week, right? That's mostly what Ryan was wanting to talk about the, the giant backward step that CDR took after, you know, 25 years, 25 years, we waited for an upgrade patiently and then they've actually taken us back another 10 years. But um, yeah, just for just for reference, CDAR is the is the regulatory database where all public companies have to put their news releases and financial statements. So we use it heavily, and um, 
they just came out with a new system, which as you can probably tell, we are not very pleased with. No, that was the first thing Brett said to me today. He was like, so still, still having fun with the CDR plus. And yeah, yeah, I sure am. That's for sure. So I was on there with Ryan for about an hour trying to figure out how to use it. And yeah. Good. But Ryan is going to be back next week. So I'm sure he's going to have a thing or two to say about CDR and hopefully a couple positive things to say about his trip as well. And yeah. probably a, a lot of negative things to say about the two podcasts that, that you know, ever yeah. since Ryan started to not show up, we, we were getting, we've been getting great reviews. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Good. Yeah. So we're, we are right now, of course, we're, we're still in Q2 earnings season. So hundreds of companies releasing their financial results um, over the last week, the week before that uh, U.S. companies usually release, um, you know, at least a couple of weeks before Canadian companies on average. So, you know, most of the big U.S. companies have released by now. Um, you know, a lot of the Canadian companies are now starting to come out with with results. So that's really been keep, what's been keeping me busy. But of course, uh, you know, my my segment that I alluded to that I was going to talk about was I was specifically going to focus in on what I refer to now as the big five, uh, which are the, the the five largest companies on the U.S. stock market. Now, these used to be referred to as the FANG stocks, but that really doesn't make sense anymore because a couple of these companies have changed their names. So, you know, I'm just going to call them the big five. And this is this is Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, um, Meta and Alphabet, which is, of course, Google. So. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we just get into this then? And I can uh, I can walk through the financial results of these five companies, and also just get an idea of what the market, what analysts are expecting um, as we as we go into twenty twenty four from these companies. So uh, the big five, the big five. So why do I call them the big five? Well, this here, this is just a uh, breakdown of the market capitalizations of these companies. So at the top of the list is Apple largest company by market value in the world at about $2.8 trillion. Uh, next being Microsoft, not far behind at $2.4 trillion. The smallest being meta platforms, Facebook, Instagram, which is just under $800 billion. But combined, these five companies alone account for 9.1, almost $9.1 trillion of market value. So five very important companies. And just to put that into perspective, if you look at the S&P 500, the market capitalization, total market value of the entire S&P 500, which includes these companies, is about $37, $40 billion. Um, so $9 trillion out of, out of, or sorry, 40, $37 to $40 trillion. So $9 trillion out of, out of 40, you know, you're looking at, um, I don't know, what, about 23% or so of the S&P 500. Um, but if you look at the NASDAQ exchange, the very tech heavy NASDAQ exchange, the market value on that total is, I believe, about 15. No, sorry. It's about uh, 25 trillion is my is is what I think it is. So, I mean, you're, you're roughly around like, what, 35 percent. You can check that. You guys can check that for me. But I think you're we're roughly around 25 trillion for the for the NASDAQ. So these companies. Uh, small in number, large in size are obviously extremely influential when it comes to the market. When you're looking at, say, um, price changes for the S&P 500 or year-to-date returns, uh, you know, a large portion of that really just comes down to these five companies and how they're doing. 
Um, looking at the stock price performance of these companies year to date, they've all performed very well. Meta is uh, far in the lead of this group. So year to date up 146%, followed by a distant second with Amazon up 61%. Uh, this can be a little bit misleading um, to an extent. Uh, Meta and Amazon, although they are the top performers year to date, these are the companies that have actually been the most challenged relative to the others over the last uh, couple of years here. So if we go back and we look at a three-year return, and of course, we like to look at a longer-term return as opposed to just you know a, a collection of months, um, this situation reverses. Um, Meta and, and Amazon are actually the two bottom performers um, over this period of time. The leader is Google or Alphabet rather, which is up about 80% over the last two years, three years. Um, and then fairly close seconds would be would be uh, Apple and Microsoft at 67 and 61% each. So good solid market leading returns generally from these stocks. Um, they all took a hit. Uh, over the past um, in, in 2022 with the rest of the market. Um, but they were generally more stable than um, what you what we saw from a lot of like the mid to large cap technology companies that were trading at higher valuations. But anyways, let's let's walk through all these companies have released the results. So I've just put together some summary tables to see how they performed. We'll start with Apple here, which is the biggest company. It reported quarterly revenue of $94.8 billion dollars. Um, and earnings per share of $1.52. So revenue was actually down year over year for the company, it was down 2.5%. Earnings per share were flat um, year over year, but the company did beat analyst consensus estimates for both revenue and EPS, outperforming the revenue estimate by 1.6% and the earnings per share estimate by 5.6%.Next, I'll take a look at Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft reported revenue quarterly revenue of 56.2 billion and earnings per share of $2.69. So year-over-year -year growth for Microsoft that grew its revenue 8.3% compared to 2022. Uh, earnings per share growth of 20.6%. So this is fairly impressive on the earnings side, I thought, given that 2023 was expected to be a year of far more muted growth for a lot of these companies. So I was I was quite impressed. Um, that was after three years of, of historic growth from the company as well. Uh, relative to analyst estimates, it beat on both metrics, uh, beating revenue by 1.4%, beating earnings per share by 5.9%. Now, Microsoft has been, I would say, in the news a lot recently due largely to its investment in OpenAI, which is the developer and owner of ChatGPT. So Microsoft has been integrating a lot of these AI technologies into its, into its software, its suite of software services. One of those things being Bing, uh, creating Bing Chat, which is essentially combining ChatGPT with its Bing search engine. Next up is Alphabet, uh, re re reporting quarterly revenue of, of $74.6 billion and earnings per share of $1.44. Um, so the company out, outperformed or relative to, to the previous year, the company grew its revenue by 7%. It grew its earnings per share again by an impressive 19%. And it also outperformed uh, analyst estimates on both revenue and earnings. So 2.5% outperformance on revenue, 9.1% 
outperformance on earnings. So Alphabet's an interesting story, also been in the news a lot lately because Alphabet is, has been seen historically as potentially the strongest AI company in the world, um, but now has been more or less put back on its heels or so a lot of investors thought with the release of ChatGPT. Uh, a lot of people were thinking, can this technology be somehow adapted into search engines um, and start to eat away uh, Google's market share, which is absolutely dominant market share uh, in, in search technology, which is, is one of the highest margin businesses in the world. So uh, for many years, competitors have been eyeing uh, Alphabet's um, dominance of the, of the search market. Um, Microsoft, with their new Bing chat, has really tried to take a run at Google um, to try and steal away some of that market share. But as of the last quarter, it doesn't really seem that that Google is is you know really losing much of its uh, much of its space with um, with internet users. I for one have found when when Bing came out, when Bing Chat came out, I immediately transitioned over that because I was really interested in it. Um, but you know, I found myself really gravitating back to, back to Google. So we'll see alphabet as well, coming out with a lot of AI technology. Uh, this battle is not over yet. So lots gonna, lots gonna happen over the next one to two years, but uh, the company also outperformed, um, analyst estimates as well. So, uh, 2.5% outperformance on revenue and 9.1% outperformance on earnings per share. And the next is, is Amazon. Uh, reporting revenue of 134.4 billion, earnings per share of 63 cents. So 11% year-over-year growth in revenue. Um, relative earnings relative to last year, they actually reported a net loss last year of 20 cents per share. So transition from a net loss to positive earnings, that's a good sign. Um, big outperformance on on earnings per share relative to analyst estimates um, and a 2.1% outperformance on revenue. Now, Amazon's uh, an interesting company. We're going to look into future expectations as well as valuation in a couple more slides. But Amazon, um, you know, there's really two parts, two main parts of the business, the way that we see it. There is the Amazon.com, which is what most people know of as being Amazon. That's their, their online store uh, and delivery service. But the biggest part of the business is actually Amazon AWS, which is their cloud computing business. And this is really where nearly all of the money is made in terms of profitability from the company. So they have a market leading position in cloud right now, have not really been growing their market share, whereas the two other top competitors, which happen to be Microsoft and, uh, and Google, have been growing their market share in that space over the last couple of years. So um, you know, Amazon has not been one of our favorite of the big five, but uh, good, uh, good numbers in the last quarter. And then finally, there's Meta, uh, revenue of 32 billion, earnings per share of $3.23. So that's year over year growth of 11% in revenue and 30% in earnings per share. And then relative to analyst estimates, uh, good outperformance on revenue of 3.6% and a very strong outperformance on earnings. Um, exceeding analyst consensus by 12.5%. So Meta, you know, they, they, they've had a couple of good quarters here, but um, they've had a tough run before the last couple of quarters in 2022. They, they had some poor performance. Um, the stock was probably of the most volatile, the most volatile of the big five. I remember Jim Cramer was crying one day on his show about the stock going down and him saying that, you know, he liked it. Um <laughs> I, you know, but then it went down. So he was changing his mind. I don't know if he changed his mind again and he likes it again, but 
you know, there's, uh, there's good momentum taking place in the company right now. Um, they had, they have recently come out with their new, uh, competitor to Twitter, which is threads. We did do a segment on that. We'll probably update that at some point because it, it broke records in terms of, um, acquiring users in the first couple of days or first week. But of course, you know, what really matters is will they be able to maintain that momentum against Twitter? So th those are the results of the companies, but I also wanted to just take a look at what the analyst consensus was for 2024 going into next year, uh, growth rates and then valuation. So Amazon, um, you know, in terms of analyst expectations, they're expected to have the most growth in earnings going into 2024, 44% growth. They're also the most expensive of the companies on a valuation basis, about 46, 50 times earnings. Now, again, you know, you have to look at that growth figure from the perspective of they've had some, a couple of weaker years as well, right? So uh, the same can be said of Meta, 25% expected growth going into next year and actually the lowest valuation uh, price to earnings of 18%. But, you know, again, Amazon and Meta have not generally had the same consistency of financial performance and growth that the other three have. Um, you know, Microsoft, good growth in the next year, Alphabet, good growth in the next year, both trading at what we would consider to be reasonable valuations. There's Apple expected to grow about 9%, um, and it's trading at about a 27 PE. Apple's another one. I mean, highly successful company, but growth can really ebb and flow, um, as they really are at the core, more of a consumer products business than a software business. So obviously their growth is going to coincide with the release of new, new products and, and that cycle. Um, but that's uh, that's the big five. So if you guys have any comments on that or anything you want to. I'm curious what Jim Cramer is thinking now. That is. Yeah, uh, I'm, well, because we said we're like, oh, so what was the story? It was this was like, what, six months ago? I um, actually looked up the date. Uh, mm -hmm. So I posted the individual segment on November 4th. And that week was actually the lowest closing week of the year. Mm -hmm. So he, we, he timed it about perfectly at the bottom, that segment where he was regretting his decision and it's about up $200. It was, it was about $90 when we released that. Yeah. And now it's 300. I mean, we we kind of had a good laugh because that, I mean, mm -hmm. the situation was he was a big proponent of meta. Um, he was talking very positively about it on his show as the stock was going down. Um, you know, he was saying, no, it's still a good company. Then they had a really bad quarter. And the stock took a big dive in like a single day. And then he's, you know, on TV crying basically and saying, you know, something like, I don't know, they lied to me or they misled us. And we yeah. kind of had a good laugh. It's like, well, first of all, this is the stock market. Like, you know, you don't need to cry on TV about it. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you didn't. Maybe, you know, it, like, I mean, companies can have bad quarters as we've seen here. Meta had a lot of volatility. Now it's, you know, doing well. It's, it's pulled back up. But yeah, I don't really watch Kramer's show. Um, I, I, don't know a lot about him. Um, I have nothing necessarily against him, but I would certainly be interested to hear, like, are you now, do you now like Meta? Did you sell it or tell people to sell it then at that point when you're crying and now you're, you know, laughing? I, I Or now you're, you know, happy about the company? It's, yeah, be interesting to know. For sure. Yeah. Great. Okay, so who do we got? Uh, who do we have next? I think we have Brennan up. Yes. With, uh, vegan prepared. Vegano. Yes. Yeah. Vegano foods. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of, I know it is a year stock or take, but I thought I would kind of coin this week's segment as uh, this week's dumpster fire. 
Um, so let me just uh, share my screen. And I you will just don't right understand the technology, Brandon. <laughs> Clearly, why are you short selling? I do not have a short position or a long position in the stock here. Okay. Um, so yes, I thought that uh, you know I would cover this uh, after a listener came across an ad on Facebook, which was pumping a new AI or artificial intelligence stock named Vigano Foods Inc. or V-A-G-N on the Canadian Securities Exchange, uh, which supposedly has explosive potential. So let's play the ad uh, that I came across or that uh, this person came across, and then I will dive into the company. New stock on the block, so let's talk. Vigano Foods is the company. Seven cents is the price, and AI is looking real nice. The internet made millionaires, crypto made billionaires, and AI? Well, that can make trillionaires. So what? The whole sector is in what I call the Goldilocks zone. This is a period in time where you know it's going to be big, you just don't know how big. And with a company like Vigano, you might just be able to catch that wave up. So... What's so attractive about Vigano? For starters, their market cap is smaller than Elon's dinner bill, and the share structure is tighter than a Swedish chick's Meaning if AI actually does become this $15 trillion industry and Vigano's AI super app becomes a relevant part of it, then their $800,000 market cap could blow up like Oppenheimer's bomb. It's a new industry and a new company, which always involves risk. But so is investing in crypto before that caught on. And how do you think those guys are feeling right now? So yeah, if you want to learn more about Vigano, their AI super app and the industry in general, just head to our website. We've got a free report up there. Okay. So now getting into the, the company here, although the ad introduces Vigano as an AI stock, in reality, the company is a Vancouver-based business that was founded in March of 2020 and sells vegan grocery and household staples to end cons- uh, customers on the Vigano marketplace or vegan or veganofoods.com. So right now the stock trades at about 11 cents and has about a $2.1 million market cap. Um, But VHLA's pitch, which is who made this ad that I just showed you, is that Vigano is a supplement technology company that will disrupt the supplement sector with AI and possibly offer life-changing gains with their AI app, which can help an individual understand their body type and direct them to Vigano supplements that are right for them. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see on the screen here that VHLA Media's top eight reasons investors should consider uh, Vigano are up on the screen. And I will go over a couple of those reasons. So reason number five, they say, at seven and a half cents, the stock is one of the cheapest opportunities to reap the benefits in AI. (laughs) No, no, it isn't. They're conflating price versus value. Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. With Vigano, you are getting a company with a track record of mass dilution, no revenue, and no profitability. Okay, so there's that one. Now, reason number six they have here, low downside risk and exponential upside potential. No, the downside risk is very high. They can go on to, or sorry, they even go on to say with reason number eight, that the stock can offer potential venture capital-like gains. By definition, venture capital investing has high downside risk. Now, reason number seven I also wanted to go over, and this is my favorite. It's quite laughable. Only 19 million shares outstanding, and they have in brackets, very clean share structure and tightly held. 
again, this is absolutely laughable. The company did a 10 for one share consolidation back in October of 2022, reducing its shares uh, outstanding from 87 million shares to 8.7 million shares. And now the company has already diluted shareholders back up to 19 million shares, which I will get into uh, shortly. And of course, now after saying all of this, Vigano is paying VHLA Media uh, $25,000 to conduct this marketing campaign. So clearly there is bias involved, which is sickening seeing a company pump this piece of to lay investors. And of course, this is why Keystone does not take money from any companies under coverage or any companies, period. We are completely independent and our best interest is with our clients. So moving on, uh, just a couple updates here. I already mentioned uh, the share consolidation earlier, um, but they've also recently been issuing shares around three cents per share to get rid of the remaining debt on its balance sheet, as well as making a an acquisition of another company, uh, which is how the company got back up to 19 million shares outstanding so quickly. Um, but I'd also like to note that in July, the company appointed a new CEO, Ricky Gorea, and the only thing that I can see from his history is a limousine service business in Vancouver, which is tied to him. Um, you know, I'm not for sure, for sure that this is his business, but I believe uh, that he does have some relation to it. And they, as well, they also got a new CFO. And I thought that it would be interesting to actually look at the CFO that just retired and the companies that he uh, has involvement with or companies that he's actually holding. So as you can see here, he has involvement with several companies, um, which are all basically shell companies. And if you look at the actual names and his holdings in these businesses, he basically holds nothing for shares. You know, he really doesn't have any skin in the game. Uh, the, the largest is about $50,000 or even under that, uh, us dollars. So, you know, he's, um, you know, the CFO at several companies, but he doesn't have any skin in the game at any of them. Um, so, I mean, he has left, but still it's just to show that this company was really set up to take advantage of, you know, the kind of health food trend, um, that was going on. Now, finally, I think I've already basically summed it up, but quickly looking at the financial statements, uh, the company put out a news release on August 1st that it was unable to timely report its quarter ended March 31st of 2023. So we are looking at more leg numbers here, but as I've been hinting at, the company is generating basically no revenue and is losing gobs of money. Uh, in the most recent fiscal year, they lost uh, 1.4 million in cash flow and a net loss of 5.3 million with only you know 187,000 in revenue, which again is nothing. And in a recent press release, the new CEO stated, the research and development phase of Nutribot is well underway. And that's their, you know, their new AI application. Um, and he says, with a focus on creating user-friendly interface for a seamless experience. While still in the design phase, Nutribot has not yet been finalized or released for download. Barring unforeseen delays, Vigano ant anticipates an official launch later this year. So the AI portion of their business hasn't even been released yet. So to conclude at this point, Fagano is an absolute nothing in my opinion. I would even go against VHLA media and argue that this stock has limited upside potential with explosive downside potential. Avoid this stock at all costs 
and do not get convinced to invest in a dumpster fire stock like this by some smooth video by a media company that is getting paid to pump the story. Yeah, and one would also have to. Th- I mean, like looking at this cash flow, they're they're you know burning over the last couple of years between one and a half, three million in cash flow per year. What's the market cap on this company again? I Brandon? think it's two million. So they've got about nineteen right. million. So they're basically shares. burning through the market cap on a on a yearly basis. Um, yeah. But yeah, limited downside. <laughs> you know, I'm right. thinking if they're willing to spend you know tens of thousands on an ad campaign, they're also probably trying to prop their stock up for another uh, equity raise soon yeah. as well. So of course, you know, whatever you own gets diluted um, by every equity raise. So you know, if you were to buy shares and say, well, you know, I own oh, like one percent of the company, by the time this company actually produces anything. Uh, you're going to own, you know, a fraction of your original percentage of of whatever that is. You know, another thing, when you have a small company, like if you if you look at when you look at venture capital. So when they're talking about venture capital uh, like returns, you know, a venture capitalist like they want to see momentum of growth, right? So they don't mind if there's not much in terms of um, in terms of revenues. Certainly, like they're willing to accept you know, negative cash flow. That's why they're there is to, is to plug that hole of cash flow. Um, but what they don't want to see is, is revenue basically drop off by 50% from one year to another. That's the momentum moving in the other direction. They want to see like, oh yeah, you know, 10,000 revenues the first year, 50,000 the next year, 250 the year after that. They want to see that whatever you're doing is being accepted by the market, right? So if you went to a venture capitalist and you're like, well, you know, our business did, 400,000 in 2021, they're like, okay, well, what did you do in 2022? Oh, less than half that. That's, you know. (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. So it's, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not something that uh, I think any venture capitalists would. Yeah. It's just, you know, it almost makes me sick to my stomach knowing that, you know, companies like, like a media company out here will just take money and, and, you know, won't care about, you know, that end investor who's potentially putting, their hard-earned money into a stock like this that is nothing but, you know, in my opinion, a pump. Um, it's just, you know, it is the unfortunate side of the finance industry or, you know, um, yeah, I just, I, I hate to see it. I hate to see it. But again, it's, you know, I if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you're already in the right direction. You understand or you're, you're realizing, you know, these are the types of stories that are going to destroy your capital. Um, so yeah, I you know it was a an interesting stock uh, to cover uh, on the pod. Just I uh, can't wait to see the YouTube comments. Oh yeah, he he's already uh, doesn't understand the technology. No, but, no. <laughs> don't understand the, the potential. Yeah, the, don't the understand potential. the potential. But uh, for like about the first six months of the year, the stock was about two to three cents, and then last month suddenly it starts to pick up price. They're doing all these. Uh, the video it says seven cents in it. It's now at uh, twelve cents at this time. I think it was eleven cents earlier today. Yeah. So it's people are buying into it. Someone has to be buying into it. Obviously, there's people who, whether it's a media company, whether it's someone else pump and dump type of thing, it's just so questionable when you see it two three cents. Then suddenly, once this media comes in, it's six times the price or five times the price, depending on your starting point. And additionally, uh, Brennan was saying there's a new CEO. The previous CEO, every single time on your tight share structure, as they got their uh, share compensation in, they instantly sold 
80 to 100% of their stock yeah. as it came in over and over again. Yeah. The company isn't really a company. It's just a money printer for the executives of the company and apparently now ad companies as well. Yeah, no, exactly. And like, I mean, even like looking at the potential of the business, like look at the supplement space. It is so competitive, you know, and then how many dime a dozen applications are out there that you put your weight into, you know, put your goals and then it's going to tell you, you know, kind of what your workout schedule is and what kind of supplements that you should be, you know, going with. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if that AI would define that this is a revolutionary app, you know, I just... uh Thing is, they all use AI to some extent. Exactly. Every company out there nowadays yeah, uses exactly. AI to some extent. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and most most of it, I would call it more just data analytics. It's not really AI. It's exactly yeah. Not I mean, taking yeah. a big data set and creating new information. Like, it's just AI analytics. Is not necessarily no. that amazing of a technology, depending on how you're using it. But I, uh, you know, there was one very prominent figure in the space who said that like, you know, you got to look at AI as the, as the next electricity. It's not something, you know, nobody's like, you know, we have a company that's, that uses electricity. It's like every company uses electricity. It's just part of the way things operate. Right. And, you know, when electricity was first discovered, sure. Everybody was saying like, we use electricity, but now it's just basically a part of everything. And that's the way to look at, uh, at, at, at AI as well. It's not like we use AI. It's like, well, what are you able to do with it? That's what's yeah. important, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. So let's uh, let's get on to to Brett here with his his star and his dog, which I think we're going to do in the opposite direction. So yeah, he's learning. Start off uh, with Roblox, which is a word that I hear around my house quite a bit. Oh, oh so your daughters actually play it, so you're you're familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they so. Try. They try. I try try to stop them, but. All right. So our dog of the week, like Aaron said, is Roblox. Simple RBLX on the New York Stock Exchange. Roblox provides an online entertainment platform for audiences under the age of 18 and maybe Brennan. The game allows for communities of developers to produce their own immersive multiplayer experiences using Roblox's studio, the company's intuitive desktop design tool so effectively it's just a game within a game and that's what those developers create but the share price has fallen fallen about 20 percent overnight following its q2 earnings the price of about 30 dollars well below its all-time high of 135 dollars set in late 2021 which was shortly after its ipo so why did the company fall 20% overnight? The Q2 financials just did not live up to expectations the market had put on the company. As the company is pre-profit, the valuation was really based off these expectations of becoming profitable in the future. So when growth is below expectations, it can cause these sharp drop in prices overnight like we've seen here. So really looking at the actual financials, revenue was up 15% year over year to 681 million. 17% is on constant currency as the US dollar was strong still. Bookings were up 22% to 781 million. Bookings for Roblox are when people or Aaron purchases the game currency, uh, uh, Robux, but have yet to spend in game currency. Net loss further fell into the negative to 283 million from a net loss of 179 million in the prior year. Additionally, outside the normal financials, average daily user, so effectively the user base, was up 25% to 65.5 million. However, the average monthly bookings per user was down 3% to 1192. 
while the average monthly bookings per unique player, so people who are actually paying the money, was increased by 3%. So users who made purchases spent slightly more, but then as a whole, users spent slightly less per person, meaning overall revenue growth really needs to come from user growth and not per user spend, or at least that's the trend we're seeing right now. So taking the financials as a whole, Though Roblox is seeing user growth resulting in revenue growth, the profitability shifted away from the all-important break-even point, which is really what you need to look at at these companies. And just for context about how much growth is expected for the company, after this fall, it is still trading at about 7.6 times sale. So it's not exactly a fire sale after a 20% drop. It was just absurdly overvalued in 2021. If you're looking at the stock price saying, oh, it's a quarter or whatever it was then, it was about a 60 times sales then, which is just absolutely astronomical and shouldn't even be considered at that point. But really, for now, Roblox has earned our covenant or not so covenant dog of the week. Good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can honestly say, even though Roblox does get played in my house, uh, we have not spent ever a dime or a penny on it. Um, I have heard the term Robux quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you can also just earn them. I guess you can buy them as well, but. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, user growth, but then I, users also have to pay. I was actually hanging out with uh, a girl that ended up buying Ro- Roblox stock uh, back in 2021. And I asked her, I was like, why did you end up buying it? Reddit told me to. <laughs> so that's that was her uh, her invest- investment conclusion. And good thing Ryan's not here because he'd say that didn't happen. You don't hang out with girls. That's what he'd say. <laughs> Anyways. Take the hit. I thought you were going to say, I'm going to play Brennan. It's set for under 18, but you know, <laughs> it. It yeah. All right. Well, we can move on to our star of the week. Our star of the week is Hammond Manufacturing, symbol HMMA, on the TSX. Hammond Manufacturing Company manufactures a broad range of products for electronic and electrical products industry, including metallic and non-metallic enclosures, racks, small cases, outlet strips, surge suppressors, and electronic transformers. The stock has jumped by about 26% to 765 over the past week after it reported its Q2 earnings on August 1st. Additionally, the stock is trading up about 81% year to date. Hammond's net sales increased year over year by about 7.3% to 61.4 million, while being slightly down quarter over quarter by 1.7%. However, gross margins have significantly improved to 36.7%, up from 33.1% last quarter and 30.6% last year, attributable to cost controls as well as increasing pricing power of its products. Net income increased to 5.5 million from 2.3 million or 49% shares cents per share and 21 cents per share. A massive increase to say the least. In addition, operating cash flow before working capital changes increased to 9.6 million from 5.4 million, another big uptick for the company. In addition, going forward, the company has announced that its new production facility in Palmerston, Ontario came online in June and is expected to be fully operational by the end of the third quarter. After the jump in price, the company is now trading at about a five times PE, still quite cheap on a trailing basis. If the price hadn't changed, it'd be about a four times PE, just to give you an idea about how the valuation metric will change with the price. The company is anticipating an appreciation of the Canadian dollar against the American dollar, which would put downward pressure on the margin. So there is FX risk in the company. As well, the company is quite cyclical. So 
It could take on negative headwinds there, and it has recently taken on debt to fund that facility, increasing that exposure to cyclicality as it still will need to meet its interest payment. So it's not a risk-free company by any means. I'm not saying it is, but it is cheap. So the company really has seen a consistently low valuation, but it is now seeing growth as well. So share appreciation should follow when you're seeing the fundamentals start to tick up over time, and that's what we've seen. Overall, the company just really has had a very strong quarter, likely causing some market participants who are just overlooking the company to start paying attention a bit more because it is only about an 80 million market cap at this time. So when you're that, that small, good numbers can really just boost the awareness of the company and people will start to come in. And that can ultimately, I'm not saying it will happen, lead to a ratio expansion, multiple expansion, which could happen down the line, but for now, I can say with certainty it is our star of the week. Yeah, and then a a, a bit of a spoiler here. Uh, we talked about the electrification report last week, which we just released. So these are companies that are related to the trend of renewable power and electrification in EVs. And Hammond Manufacturing was part of our top tier monitor list in in that report as well given that the components that it um that it manufactures are also used in electrical transmission as well so it's it's very interesting company i mean we've been following it for many years we actually have a standing recommendation or i think we moved it to hold recently but um it was a standing recommendation earlier this year and last year on hammond power which is a related company i believe run each one is run by a hammond brother um, but the company split, you know, over 10, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, and Hammond Power has been one of the top performers uh, in the Canadian stock market. So I don't know if you have the figures on that, Brennan, but same idea, you know, really solid company, good growth company that really was being overlooked and traded at a low valuation. Um, you know, I think it's, it's what, up 600% or something like that? 45% over the last year and it's yeah. 700% over the past five years. And when I read the yeah. numbers a few so, months I mean, ago, this, it was a, a phenomenal ex performer and that's what we want to see. But then again, you know, it is a cyclical business. You know, one of the differences between Hammond Power and Hammond Manufacturing, Hammond Manufacturing does really do the minimum when it comes to um, investor communication. That is also something that has held it back a little bit. But uh, both companies, you know, certainly strong fundamentally and yeah we'll be uh we'll probably be talking to hammond manufacturing again soon yep yep excellent okay so i think that that does this for the show thank you everybody for for tuning in make sure to like us uh on youtube post a comment if there's anything that uh you know brett or brennan said that you disagree with and uh <laughs> i love it yeah, make sure to uh, to also rate us on on uh, iTunes as well. Excellent. Well, thank you all for again for watching, and we will see you next week. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.